Welcome to Building Safe Workplaces, casual talk about serious matters. I'm your host, Tommy Nib with Hask. Today we're joined by a couple guests from our local OSHA department, Mr. Mark Briggs and Jorge Gomez. Guys, would you like to introduce yourself? Start with Mark. Hi, my name is Mark Briggs. I'm the area director for the Houston South Area Office of OSHA. And um, I've been the area director since uh, 2007 and have been in the area since uh, the late 90s. Really, and I'm excited to be here, Tommy, and thank you so much for having us here today. Well, thank you for coming. Jorge? And again, I'm uh, Jorge Gomez, the Compliance Assistance Specialist with OSHA's Houston South Area Office. My boss is Mark. And uh, again, thank you for inviting us and having us here. I've been, I've been in the office since 2011. Uh, first as, as uh, inspector, enforcement officer, and in May of 2019, I transitioned into the compliance assistance role. Excellent, excellent. So one of the things I wanted to talk about, or, or one of the reasons I wanted to get you guys on board is because I know that OSHA's physical year is counted from October 1st to October 1st, is that correct? And so you guys just finished your physical year for 2020, and I thought it would be a perfect time for us to learn or, or have a conversation about some of the things where we can pull out of 2020. Uh, so, so making sure I'm correct, that is that is right. Our physical year is from October to October. Is that right, Jorge? It's actually from October 1st uh -huh. to September 30th of the following year. Of okay. the following year. So, and we run it. A, we run it that way. There's there's reasons that the government set things up that way to to shift it off the calendar year. But it's one of the good things about it is. is we're not all crammed up trying to get everything done, you know, at the beginning of a, of a calendar year. There's so much that's going on on everybody's plates right at that calendar year. It works out pretty good for us to be adjusted, but I'm sure that there's some other legal reasons, some, you know, some rules that, that uh, Congress set up to, to make it for tax purposes and all that jazz. But uh, we run it from that October to uh, September time frame. And that works out best for everybody, right? Because that gives you guys time to really mine the data and come up with some of the trends and things that you guys are seeing. So, obviously, this has been a, a challenging year for everyone. Uh, so, we'll, we'll start with uh, the, the, the first question on the top of everybody's mind right out of the gate is uh, talk about COVID-19 in the workplace and, and how is it affecting it? Is it, is it actually an OSHA recordable? Well, you know, it's impossible to talk about 2020 without bringing up COVID-19. Um, we're not going to get into a whole lot of it during this segment of time, but, you know, with, with the recordable aspects of um, an event in your facility, it can be recordable, but there are determinations that have to be made by the employer in making a good faith effort on what is recordable, how was the exposures done, and then if it was, was that exposure work-related? Was it a community spread situation? And then following the 1904 standard to decide, should I put it on my OSHA 300 logs or should I not? The best place and the best thing that I could recommend everybody to do is to go to OSHA.gov there's lots of very helpful resources on the website for all kinds of things, but we have a whole COVID page 
that talks about um, prevention. It talks about how to um, establish um, you a plan. And then it also talks about what can we do and what do we need to do when we have somebody who comes to work or has uh, exposed others at our work spot, our workplace on COVID-19. Highly recommend that's the place you go to get the most current information and everything that is going on COVID related as far as occupational safety and health is concerned. Excellent. So that's, that's, that's interesting. So getting right to what we really wanted to talk about uh, on this podcast was we've gotten the data. You guys have had a chance to analyze it. What are we, or what should we be looking for in our workplaces? What are the things that have stood out to you guys this this year uh, when you when you looked at the data and saw the the citations, injuries, and that such coming in? You know, Tommy. Unfortunately, I would say that the that the biggest trend in FY twenty twenty was the usual trend. Um, that the focus for or fatal four hazards, however, however you may you may know them or refer to them, um, accounted for the majority of uh, workplace fatalities in construction. Of the 28 fatalities in construction that we recorded in FY20, uh, these uh, focus four hazards accounted for 82 percent or 23 of those fatalities. So, uh, you say the 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 focus four or the fatal four. What are those? What, for for so the, those of them might not know, what are those focus for or fatal for? Sure. So the focus for hazards are electrical, struck by, falls, and caught in or in between. And those those are the ones we see that have the the most. They accounted for the most of of the injuries and in, or the fatalities in in twenty twenty. Right. In in uh. In fiscal year 2020, again, 82% of those of the uh, 20, of the of the 28 fatalities, which it's 23 of those fatalities were were related to these just these four hazards, and and this is both Houston Houston South and Houston North. Okay, so both, it's, both it's are, both a are lot. Of, a lot of this data is all about the Houston area because obviously that's where we are, that's where we work, and everything. Wow, that seems like a lot just for those four. Exactly. And and if we go a little bit further back to FY19, it was a 100%. All of the all of the fatalities in FY19 could be accounted to just these four hazards. So, it well, sounds like we've got some uh, good focus points moving forward for 2021 then, right? You're not the focus for for nothing, Tommy. Wow. You know, I you hear a lot of you hear a lot of injuries like that and and I didn't realize that it can all boil down to just those four those four areas that's that's incredible that's really I don't think it, maybe I'm just blind but I didn't I didn't realize that it was just that easy it just went down to those four that's something that a lot of companies can start really keying on well that's interesting so all the injuries can be boiled down to those four categories what what are we missing what what do you think is the uh, the essence of of those injuries what, what are some contributing factors is it is it a lot of commercial? Is it a lot of industrial? Where do you think this these these rash of injuries every single year seem to come from? You know, Tommy, a lot of it comes down to, as Jorge has already said, those four aspects. 
those four aspects have been OSHA's focus for easily the last 20 years. And the industry as a whole, the construction industry as a whole, has known about this, we've talked about this, we've seen this, and it's something that companies are, are grasping. You know, you, you talk a little bit about industrial and you talk a little bit about construction, or commercial construction. In the industrial sector, there's so many more levels of oversight than there are in the commercial um, arena. But there are really good commercial companies that have, have taken it to heart. They are driving down just like the industrial sector is driving down and they are seeing a, a reduction in those injuries and illnesses when it comes to those focus four. The vast majority of construction though falls into that commercial realm. So it's almost an apples and oranges comparison when you're looking at the, you know, the number of people that are doing commercial work versus the number of people that are doing industrial work. Now in the Houston area, we're able to see both sectors working side by side, and sometimes you even see companies doing both commercial and industrial. Mm -hmm. So we're able to compare those numbers, we're able to see those numbers differently. In a breakdown, without looking at the numbers specifically, which uh, just here uh, this week that BLS released the newest data that has come out. We haven't had a chance um, at our level to, to boil that information down yet, but those numbers have just recently come out on, on the number of fatalities and what it has been going on. But when you look at that, you'll see a difference between industrial and you'll see a difference in commercial. But when you look at the companies that have good solid safety and health management systems in place those comparisons start to narrow dramatically and you start seeing you know an even amount of work that is going on and you see good work going with those good companies that are trying to do the right thing the right way so you're seeing that you're seeing that on the on both sides right whether it be commercial industrial like you said you're right there's so many companies that that commercial industrial line is very grayed out because you see a lot of the same companies in a in a facility a, a refinery facility or industrial facility that you may see on road work or, or road construction or building construction right yeah you do see you do see a lot of the same players and when you see those same players and when you see um, good commercial companies doing good things and you see good industrial companies doing good things the results are good mm -hmm. that's the that's the big takeaway from that the the challenge and the and the thing that needs to happen now is those good companies doing good things need to now go out and start spreading that wealth to other companies because safety does not have boundaries it's not copywritten it's something that we need to be taking out to uh, individual companies we need to be taking down to those small commercial companies and and helping them bring them alongside mentor them lead them in doing things the right way so we can get past this whole idea I've been doing this job for 20 years and I've never gotten hurt we no. need to get past that and we've heard that so many times I mean just the three of us in this conversation you know, we, we've heard that so many times. If we had a, a dollar for it, we wouldn't have to be here, sitting here talking. <laughs> We'd be off, you know, having a good time somewhere. Oh, yeah. You know, so we need to we need to get these good companies that know the right ways 
to start helping us bring along those other companies and helping them understand that safety pays. There is good things that go on when you do things the right way. Right. So of, of all that, that information that you got in 2020, was there anything there that, that surprised you when you looked at the numbers, uh, maybe that you didn't see, maybe an increase or something like that that happened in 2020? No, Tommy, and, and again, you, you, you go back and you look at the numbers, especially for, for construction, and, and uh, the story, unfortunately, just seems to repeat itself year after year. We see these Focus 4, we see the same type of injuries, uh, we see the same type of fatality events uh, that involve these, these Focus 4. Right. And you mentioned earlier that there was an actual rise in fatalities, right, over, over 2019? Right, yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, in FY20, construction saw a 40% increase in, in fatalities where, where um, yeah, we ended up the year with a total of, of 28 fatalities. Wow. It's, right, and, and going back a little bit to, to what Mark was just saying about the, the BLS numbers, that, that uh, the national fatality rates were actually released just yesterday. Uh, so... I've uh, I spent a, a, a few hours taking taking a look at them. I'm, I don't want to go too much into detail because I haven't I haven't really dissected them dissected them all. But first thing I go and do is where did Texas end up? Mm -hmm. uh, where where are we as a state? And then try to compare it to where are we as as an area Houston area? And uh, unfortunately, Texas again took the prize for the highest number of fatalities nationally uh fy and these are numbers not from fy20 but fy19 that mm -hmm. bls just released um and texas had recorded 608 fatalities for fy19 so that's that kind of is contradictory to what people would think right we think that because of of the year we've had and and, and the go and so Yes, Tommy, and, and again, this, this 608. I just want to. I just want to clarify that this is across all industries, not just construction. We've been focusing on, on construction a bit here, so I just want to clarify that. And yeah, 608 is, is a huge number across all industries, um, but still, even at the at the national level, where in FY18 uh, construction saw 1,008 fatalities, in FY19 this this just uh, recently released numbers that still did go up um, where construction recorded a total of 1,061 fatalities. Mm -hmm. So we're still seeing, seeing a rise there in construction, which will, of, of course, translate into rise in local numbers once, once I get a chance to, uh, to really mine that data and dissect it, unfortunately. But so that's what it's looking like. And then the, just the local data, I mean, that's all that we can really talk about for, sure. for FY20. Um, we saw an increase there. And one of the things to keep in mind, you know, that we didn't have in, in FY20 is we didn't have um, a large industrial accident, which, you know, in years past, I'm not going to say every single year, but in years past, we've had a contributing factor where there's multiple fatalities mm -hmm. because of an industrial situation. That didn't happen in FY20 and yet here, the here in the local up. area. And still the numbers did go up. So... Is there anything that you see that might have helped that trend or contributed? Is there not enough safety people in the industry? Is there is there a lot of 
cutbacks? I mean, is there anything that you guys have noticed in, in, in the times that you guys go out and you inspect job sites and things like that? Is, is, the, is there enough people there? Because, you know, we, we went through the whole, uh, you know, Texas shutdown in, in through the summer and in, in, in the first part of the middle part of this year. Is that a possibility that that had a contributing factor? And you know, Tommy, that that uh, that would be a question. You know, unfortunately, we, we don't have insight to that mm -hmm. kind of uh, information. Uh, so that would be a question better for industry. I would say is, did they cut back on their safety people? I mean, what uh, what actions did uh, did they take as a result of, of the current situation that may have contributed to this? Uh, fortunately for us, we see the end result, which is the fatality, and we go we go from there. Okay, those, well, those types of con contributing factors are very difficult for us to, right. to track down in the time frames that we're working in. And so it's difficult for us to be able to go back to what are, what are all the contributing causes. You know, obviously, the, the elephant in the room being COVID-19, that's something out there. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's something that's on everybody's mind. But was it really truly a contributing factor? Um, was it everybody's working differently you know management um, leadership is is more remote now than what's going on at the sites you know and how is that all how is that all playing into the situation yeah that, that's that's great points but but like you said that's not something you guys could really answer that that would that would have to fall on the the, the companies to kind of figure that out so what were the biggest improvements Maybe from from the, your data from twenty twenty to twenty nine from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty, did you guys see any uh, any big improvements in any areas uh, when you when you mine through that that twenty twenty data? We did see we did see a fall in in uh, employer reported uh, incidents. That's where that's where um, and talking away from 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 fatalities now, but other incidents that that fall into an OSHA reportable, not just recordable, but mm -hmm. reportable where the employer needs to call our office and report the incident. We did see a fall in, in those type of uh, those type of incidents. Um, was that due to less work or slowdown? Uh, or was there a real improvement? Again, that's something that we would have to kind of go back to, to industry and companies and, and talk with them and, and see what may have caused that drop. So why why do you think it is that year in and year out we're seeing the same incidents, the same like you said, the the focus for, and and I'm assuming that you have for all those fatalities you probably see a correlation in the amount of citations that are written every year for those same areas. Why does that keep happening year in and year out? Well, you know, Tommy, one of the things you know that we see beyond just the focus for, if you go to the OSHA top ten. You know, these are published every year um, by different organizations, ourselves included, and you'll see the, the position in the top 10 will change, but the violation pretty much stays the same. They're, they're the same 10 violations, maybe the ones that are 9 and 10, those will flip-flop a little bit more and, and fall off one year, come back on the next year, but those, those 1 through 6 or, or you know, one of those sets of numbers in there, those are all pretty much the same. And I, I, I'd love to be able to say, I'd love to have everybody in this room, I'd love to have everybody, you know, in industry, in all of Houston, 
sit down and think about it and make a pledge to, to take a look at, okay, these 10 things we are going to eliminate from our workforce. You know, we are going to eliminate th those hazards. We're going to do whatever it takes to not have these things happen on our site. But unfortunately, I mean, I've, I've been doing this now since 1989. And the vast majority of that top 10 is still the same vast majority that we have. You know, one of the, one of the most common ones that are in there is, is some of the um, hazard communication, you know, um, violations. Those are still in the top 10. And we've been talking about that since the, the, the early 90s, late mm -hmm. 80s. And why are we still talking about it? Why is this still an, uh, an event that is happening or a, or a, a citation that is, is out there? Um, we would love to be able to make, I would love for the top 10, all the whole top 10 to change right. for next year. That would be such an incredible thing. But you know, it, it kind of all comes back to where, where's our mentality? Where's our reality? And, um, you know, there was a, there was a gentleman that contacted us one day telling us about some, um, an excavation that was not too far from where we're at right now. And uh, he went and he talked as a safety professional, as a professional in the, in the industry, to the contractor and to the, the, the foreman that was doing the work and tried to get them to do an excavation safely. And the, the guy basically said, look, I don't need to listen to you. I just got to get this work done. And he goes, look, no, I'm trying to help you here get this done. I know OSHA. I know them personally. I will call them, but I would rather let's get it fixed before they even have to come. Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, you call whoever you want to call. And he did, you know, and then it took us going out there on multiple occasions before things changed. And what I can guarantee you in that situation is once that job was over, they paid their fines, they, they got whatever issue was going on, and when they went to the next site, they did the exact same thing. And it's, it's how do we change that attitude? How do we change that thought process? So it's, it's more like a, a change in culture that we, we, we have to institute. I was going to follow up your question on that, you know, because I've seen the top ten, and you're right, it's, it's the same day in and day out, or year in and year out. And so one of the things that I saw in there was like a lot of, of fall protection, right? You get, you get citations on fall protection, and falls just seem like something so easy to fix. But when you go out, and, 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 and Jorge, when you guys go out there and, and you see all these citations, do you think it's just a matter of, tr is, it, is it training, lack of training? Or is it like you said, Mark, is it a, la a lack of care? What, what, what do you see, do you see any difference there? You know, and, and uh, um, let me share let me share a story a story as well because uh, that story that Mark just shared is, is not unique, and mm -hmm. and I'll use names uh, because actually Willie Wells when when I first came into came into this this role um, he he calls me and says hey there's this excavation by by my work uh, you know it doesn't doesn't look right uh, do you guys want to come check it out and and actually he had gone. And approached the gentleman and, and said, "Hey, you know, I don't think this looks right. You know, this, this, and this." And the guy was like, kind of took that same attitude, like, "Yeah, okay, whatever." 
um, no action was taken. So Willie Willie calls me and says, "Hey, you know, is there anything? Is there anything we can do?" Which we receive these type of reports, these type of referrals. These our office does regularly. Mm -hmm. And you know, as a safety professional, if you're driving by something, I would say it's your duty to to stop and try to address it and hopefully save somebody's life. We teach that all the time, right? In, in classes, we say, you see something, say something, right? right? That's mm -hmm. that's what we're supposed to do as safety professionals. Right. And so it just so happened that I was in the area and, you know, why why uh, spend time to call our office and try to get an enforcement out, officer out there when I'm already there near the mm -hmm. area and, and, and uh, I can you know, uh, hopefully resolve the situation. So I stop, and again, I'm not an enforcement officer. I'm not in an enforcement role anymore. So, so I stop. I identify myself. You know, of course, the, the foreman was in his truck, so mm -hmm. easily identifiable. <laughs> so I, I go up to him, identify myself, and as soon as I said OSHA, oh my God, his eyes, you know, just a oh, crap moment, right? Right. But then I explained that I'm a compliance assistance specialist. You know, my goal is to do outreach train, educate uh, employers, employees out there. So it's not going to be an, an investigation. It's not going to be some citations. You know, my interest is let's just protect people if, if there's right. a need. As soon as he realized that there was not going to be any citations or any inspections, you know, the conversation, his tone kind of changed a little bit. And, and uh, point blank, that's what he told me is, I know that that excavation does not meet OSHA requirements, but I've been doing this for 20 years. That's not going anywhere. And so what what can you do with those type of attitudes? Because then then you look at at the uh, fatality data. You know, in FY twenty there was five a total of five uh, fatal events involving uh, trenching and excavation. Four of them were here in Houston. So eighty percent of all fatalities involving trenches were here in Houston. In FY twenty. In, in the state of Texas. Wow. Wow. So, so yeah, how do, how do we, how do we change those, that mindset, that attitude? So then it's, it, I think it's, from what I'm hearing you guys say, it's, it's a lot of attitude and, and a lot of cultural change that needs to happen. So, so the training is available, it's just listening to the training and then being able to apply that training to, to their, their job force or their work, or their work spot, workplace. Are you actually working like you're training? You know, and one of the things that you've got to remember is every time that you cut into the ground, the ground becomes weaker. Mm -hmm. Okay? There is so much area in Houston that has been dug multiple times. So you could go to, you know, you could go tomorrow and find a field out in the middle of nowhere and cut into it. And maybe it's never been disturbed. So maybe today there's a chance that you could go into that trench and nothing is going to happen. But if you go out in front of the safety council here, or you go out in front of some of the chemical plants, or you go out of, in front of something down at the medical center, and you dig a hole down there, that, that ground has been turned over so many times. And it takes hundreds if not thousands of years for the, the, those soils to to reestablish themselves to where they, they, they are stuck together like they were originally, you just don't ever know. And for this, this attitude that I've been doing this for 20 years, now you haven't been doing this for 20 years. You've been playing Russian roulette for 20 years. And you just 
you go out and buy you a lottery ticket. Maybe you'll have better chance there because right. the chances are you're going to have something happen. And, you know, last week, um, this wasn't in our area. It was down um, in the valley. We had um, a, two compliance officers doing uh, an inspection, and they were driving by. They ran into um, a construction site that had a trench. They saw the, the excavator there digging. They saw how deep it was um, because it was a gooseneck. It was down very far mm -hmm. and they were like okay we better stop and take a look at this make sure it's it's short and and properly being dug and come to find out this thing was over 20 feet deep straight sides and it was only about four foot wide they got into it they or they got up to it and there were guys down in the bottom of this thing working put connecting some piping together they called them up out of the trench the foreman's going nuts. They're trying to do interviews. They're just this big, huge, contentious thing. While they were standing there, the sides gave way and, and the trench collapsed. That was how close. There was at least two guys that I know of that were in that trench. That's how close those two guys came to not having a Christmas this year with their families. To increase in those fatalities again. Yeah. Again. Yeah. And I'm sure... Had we shown up there, you know, at, at some point in time and it didn't collapse, the guy would have told us, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've never seen anything happen. You, you know, know that, that's a great point. All these people that, that Jorge alluded to, you know, 80% of those fatalities in Houston, I bet you if you interviewed them the day before the fatalities, they would all say, it's never happened to me. Or it's never going to happen to me, right? Because accidents don't just happen to people who are expecting them. They always happen to people that are not expecting them, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, so based on what we've learned in 2019, what we've also learned now in 2020, what are some of the things that you guys are seeing that you're expecting in 2021? You know, Tommy and, and uh, the... I'll say this and, and put, issue a challenge to prove me wrong, but right now from where I'm sitting and, and the data that I'm sitting so far, just these last couple months, unfortunately, more of the same probably. We're barely two months into the new fiscal year and uh, just looking at the local fatality numbers uh, uh, here recently and we're already seven fatalities in, in for construction. Three falls, one struck by, and uh, three caught in, in between. Again, focus, focus four. Again, so, it rears its ugly head, right? So, challenges out there. Uh, you know, prove me wrong, and let's not let's let's not see more of the same. Um, good thing is that we're just two months into the new, to the to the new fiscal year, and we have a lot of a lot of uh, time left to to work on it and and say this stops here. It just, it just baffles me that, you know, I, I can, I see these fatalities and I, and I see the, the already, already this year we've already had three falls and it just seems like falls should be one of the easier ones to solve. I mean, there's so much technology out there with harnesses and fall protection and, and man baskets and, and it's just, it amazes me that we still have, we ha we still see these still see these these incidents coming back time and time again 
You know, Tommy, one of the other things, I mean, it, it doesn't always show up in our, in our stats, but vehicular accidents, you know, we don't, if it's over the road, OSHA doesn't have any jurisdiction, we don't get, get involved with it, excepting under certain circumstances. But, you know, it's the same sort of thing. How, do we, how did we pay attention to, to reducing those, okay? We monitor more, require seat belts, I mean, how many vehicles do we see around here that, that have signs on them, you know, report me if I'm driving erratically, or the new, you know, and it's not that new anymore, but the, the monitored um, driving systems mm -hmm. now, you know, where, where cars, if they get over a certain amount of uh, uh, certain miles per hour, it's sending a signal that's going straight to the safety manager's office, you know, and you've got cameras and things like that. You know, those things are out there, but we're still seeing a lot of those types of accidents. Um, how do we deal with those? We came up with technology. How do we deal with these? There's something out there that hasn't been invented yet. There, there's an idea, there's, a, there's an inspiration. There's something out there that, that can be brought to the forefront and made available. And I think it could change it, but we just don't know what it is. But it's, it's going to take somebody, it's going to take some people, it's going to take some companies putting their heads together and saying, you know what, enough is enough, the buck stops here, we're not going to allow this to happen anymore. And I, to your point, Mark, I think there's, I've seen some technologies, for example, the struck by and things like that, when you're working around mobile equipment, you always have to be leery. I mean, I've seen RFID readers and things like that. They're, we're seeing more and more technology go in that direction. I think it's just we got to get it more prevalent, right? We just got to get it. We got to get it out there more. And and it may not be perfect right now, but we just got to keep refining it, like you said, until we can get to a point where it's it's almost like that. I know, you know, in my son's truck, I have I have access to turn his radio off. If the seat belt is not fastened, you know what I mean, and, and you have that technology in a truck. So why can't we do something similar to that in some of these other these other aspects of of, of this industry, right? Right. Yeah. And and uh, you know uh, we talk about these high numbers in Texas being, you know, one of the largest, if not the largest. I'm I'm not sure if we are the largest. Maybe Alaska is the largest. I'm not sure, but. But some of the some of the rebuttals that I, that I get sometimes, as far as you know, our high fatality rate is like, well, we're the, we're the biggest state. Everything's bigger and better in Texas, right? Mm -hmm. um, but when we're looking at at a size of the workforces, uh, we don't have the biggest workforce. Uh, California has one of, has a bigger workforce than us, and and they're next in line with the, with the highest uh, uh, fatality rate af after us. Uh, but our workforce fluctuates, last I looked, was about 14, 15 million. Theirs is about 18, 19 million. Um, so it's not a valid argument to say, right. well, we're the biggest ones, or actually we're going to have the most. Right. Because we're not the biggest. California is. And yet we're still... Workforce-wise, anyways. Yeah. Workforce-wise, and yet we're still having the, mo the more fatalities. Right. More injuries. But you know what? We are the best. So why don't we just prove it mm -hmm. by... by being the best and stopping this from happening. All right. Well, that's a great lead into my next question because as two OSHA professionals sitting here in front of me, if I gave you a magic wand today 
and said, okay, Mark, Jorge, here's your magic wand. You can do something to improve the industry or something for this next year to, to make everything better. What would they be? What would, what would you do? You know, for me, eliminate fatalities. I mean, they, they have the biggest um, impact and devastation on, on people's lives, people's families. So, so if there's a if there's a zero to be chased out there is these fatalities. I mean, let's just stop them. And what do you think? I mean, what are some of the things we can do to to get there? Uh, you think more programs, better programs? Is it just going to take some vigilance? Like like you said, we mentioned earlier, more of a cultural change into just not accepting them anymore, right? I think, you know, you used a word there, vigilance. I think that's the key. Programs, there's a, there's a lot of programs out there, and, and many of them are very, very good. Mm -hmm. But it's that vigilance, it's that, that attention to detail, it's that, that moment of decision-making um, that happens that, that needs to change. And culture is is one of those things that is driving that drives that and we need to work on that culture we need to to bring it to everybody's attention bring it to everybody's level and and no longer would we allow shortcuts to be made you know no matter what the pressures are no matter what the time frames are no matter you know what the situation might be we drive it down we look at the 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 narrowest focus and we say no more are we going to allow this to happen and we've got to get it to we've got to get it to the youngest employee and then we've got to get it led by the highest leader in our organizations because if the, if the leader leads everybody will follow that leader if your boss tells you you've got to make a hundred widgets or you're not going to get paid I guarantee you you're going to make a hundred widgets. Okay? Right. You'll do everything you can if it's physically possible for you to do that. Well, if that leader will will turn their focus and say, you know what, I need a hundred widgets made, but if you make 99, that's going to be close, close enough if you do it the safest that you possibly can. And I mean it, and I'm going to lead you to do it by showing you that I'm going to do it every time you see me. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to expect that of my vice president. I'm going to, exp uh, you know, the next person down, the next person down, the next person down, all the way down to the lowest person that's on that totem pole, that, that guy that just got hired or that lady that just got hired today. The first thing they're going to learn about is that this is the safest company that, that is out here and we want to be more safe than any company has ever been. And I think as that happens and as that gets pushed up, if we can get more and more companies to champion it and, and drive it and force it, then it's going to happen. So what are some, some avenues that companies who are looking for some direction, what, what are some resources that's, that are out there that we could we could go to 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 find out more and and you mentioned something earlier mark about you know if you, safety doesn't have an actual boundary or a line right what are some of the organizations that you guys have been a part of that infer 
or that have that information sharing, right? So, so what are some places if, if, if a company is very safety oriented and they go, you know, we've got to do something about this. What's the first step? Where can I go to at least get some more information to start some information sharing, anything like that? Like Mark had mentioned, www.osha.gov. We have so many resources, e-tools, uh, sample programs, uh, where you don't have to write your program from, from scratch. You could probably find one on our website where where you uh, uh, edit to your company specifications. Uh, I'm a resource. Mm -hmm. That's literally my job to be to be a, a resource for for industry for for workers. Um, so I'm I'm a resource, and you know we work with a lot of with with, with the Hask. With ABC, with the AGC, they have you guys all have great mentorship programs. Uh, from what I know, just from mm -hmm. working with, with with you guys, so so use your resources if you're a member of any of these uh, uh, other other groups. But but definitely, there's a lot out there. Another one that you can go to. I mean, Houston has the largest population of um, safety professionals per capita of any place in the country, and go to. Um, ASSP, the American Society of Safety Professionals, they have monthly meetings all over town. Mm -hmm. um, they're a great resource, lots of people, lots of helpful people, and they want the same thing that we want. You know, and, and if, if Jorge and I found a way for you guys to eliminate all of this stuff, and no more fa fo uh, fatal four, no more fatalities, guess what? We're not going to be upset if we're out of a job. We'll go find something else. And you know what? There, I know that there's organizations, the safety councils, the, you know, uh, the the uh, AGC, ABC, um, ASSP, and and there's several others. The National Safety Council. There's there's many others. All of us would love to have to say, you know what? We're no longer needed. Mm -hmm. You know, and and wow, what would be great great accomplishment. I wouldn't take that as a as an insult or an, or a a moment of fear in my life if all of a sudden my job was no longer necessary because nobody was getting hurt on on the job. That would be to me that's a success story. Yep. And I could I could walk, you know, walk off into the sunset like an old western saying, I've saved the town, you know, and <laughs> and, and it it's all done. Yeah. I and I would love that to be a reality. Yeah. Do I, you know, do I honestly think it's going to happen? No, probably but not in our lifetime. Not in our lifetime. <laughs> but but you know what? I wouldn't be upset if it wasn't in my son's lifetime. Mm -hmm. You know, or maybe maybe uh, Jorge. Jorge's got much younger kids than I do. <laughs> um, you know, maybe in in one of his kids' lifetimes. You know, to where they they look at us and they say, somebody, people died because they fell off of of roofs. You know, wow! Wouldn't that be incredible? Or somebody, somebody got caught in a trench. What were they doing in a trench? Right. No, we don't do that anymore. Don't they plasma freeze the the soil to where it doesn't do anything happen? You know, or or something like that. Well, back in the day, I can remember when we dug we, it and we used these excavators. <laughs> we, you know, and 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 they they would just look at us like we're talking about you know a a dial phone right. or, or a record 
mm-hmm. something like that. An eight track tape or something. Or like. AOL. Uh-huh. You know <laughs> you know, something like that. Wouldn't that be just something that's incredible that in our kids' lifetimes that, that something like that happens. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not unprecedented because we think back now. I mean, you, we're all old enough to think back. I know when, when I first started in this industry, I, I was there was a lot of older guys in there, and they would tell me horror stories. And I'm like, how is that even possible, right? Yeah. And and it would and so I'm hoping to your point that when Jorge's kids are older, they look back at us and they go, what were y'all thinking? Yeah. Well, you know, and, and all of us in this room, you know, and people listening are, are going to be know what picture I'm talking about. I want to say it was in the building of the Empire State Building. Mm-hmm. And the, and there's the five, seven, ten, I don't know how many guys, I can't remember, that are taking sitting on lunch. the big I-beam, uh-huh. you know, right. that's that's hanging out there. And they're taking the lunch. That's an actual photo. That's real life. That right. was really being done. Mm-hmm. I mean, and all of us shudder. At right. the thought of that happening, unless you're an iron worker and you're going, yeah, that's a real man, um, <laughs> you know. But that's part of the attitude and culture that needs to be changed. But you know, we look at that picture and we say, okay, we are not there anymore. And I don't know how many years ago that was. I want to say it was twenty thirties, twenty thirties. Okay, so maybe what is that? A hundred years? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be great? in a hundred years that they look back and they listen to this podcast and they go, I can't even believe they were talking about that. We've, we've, we've eliminated those hazards. Or they look at pe- people actually in a trench and they go, oh my God. Yeah. They were actually getting into the trench. <laughs> yeah. And, and how insane was that? Uh-huh. You know, and, and, uh, and then not say, you know, oh, well, that, that's, that, you know, that's a trench man, you know, or something <laughs> like that, you know, it's, so it it would be it would be great for us to be at that point, you know, and and even if we just take one more step, one more step, at least we're further down the path than we we are if mm-hmm. we just stand right here. I, I heard a good saying once, and I and I I loved it. It was uh, even if you're on the right track, you'll still get ran over if you don't move. That's right. Right. So we're on the right track. I think we we know what we have to do. It's just about moving. We right. just got to keep moving forward. We may never reach the end in our lifetimes, but we just got to keep the keep it moving forward. Yeah. Right. You know, and one other thing that I'd like to just really quickly just touch on is is recordability um, and and just record keeping in general. Um, one of the things that I would love to see us focus on in this next year is the real reasons behind the record keeping standard and the real purposes of the record keeping standard and to get away from this idea of um, it being a tool that is used to beat companies with Mm -hmm. Um, you know and and there's there's lots of, of fingers that can be pointed in lots of different directions but the reality behind the record keeping standard is to provide that company a decision-making tool to see where are things happening and what do I need to do to be better at what we do. Mm-hmm. And if we could get away from the focus of um, if I get one more, I'm not going to be able to get X contract and having to do case management so I don't have a recordable I would love for us to see this for the reality that it really is intended 
and it's a tool to help us make decisions about what we need to focus on for our safety and health. Right. I think that would be an, an, an important first step that we could take because I know I, I hear it all the time from companies that come in um, into our offices and, and they're, they're talking about this recordable or that incident or this thing or that thing and if they the, 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 the intent of that standard has been um, hijacked and I, and I would love to see us alter that and go to something that it was really truly intended to and it was to help the safety and health professionals and the managers and the employees know hey maybe this is something I need to focus on um, and then really use it for what it's what it's for get those near misses in there get all that data in there and work from those those decisions and I've seen companies that have taken those steps and their programs have just taken off like a, a rocket ship because they're focusing on the right things and they let they let the the injuries and illnesses speak for themselves and they but they prevent them by knowing hey these are things that we do that are that have a potential to be harmful we need to come up with a better way to do it right well thank you guys for uh taking some time out of your your busy days and coming down here and talking to us a little bit about this uh uh, some quick takeaways uh, the focus for right that's what we have to focus on that's what I would like to see changed in 2021 is this and that's electrical struck by falls and then caught in or caught between right that right. covers a lot of different aspects it, it can uh, you know just caught in and caught between can, can have a, a, a wide range of different aspects in in these these facilities so, but those are the focus points. I think if we can try to focus on those and really drive home some of our programs and maybe some of our, our dedication and, and, and eliminate those fatalities, like Mark said, about having that buy-in from the top down, having that, that, that leader that steps up and says, I, we're not going to tolerate this anymore, and this is how we're going to do it from now on, and, and doing that. And then, again, mining the data for what it's used for, right? Uh, taking the the recordable the the what was it the 300 yes taking the, the 300 log the 300 log and actually using that data for what it was always intended for because you're right mark it has become something that you know nobody wants to put it on there because once they do it's all of a sudden it's it's out there and and, and they fight so hard to put it on there instead of fighting so hard to fix what they're acknowledging what what is wrong and actually trying to fix it so exactly well, I appreciate you guys for coming, and thank you very much, and hopefully we'll do this again sometime. Yes, Tommy, thank you very much for having us. All right. During the podcast, BLS National Fatality data for 2019 was discussed. We would like to correct that those numbers are based on the calendar year 2019 and not the physical year as mentioned during the podcast. Thank you.